Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Everybody, welcome to your favorite podcast. We haven't said that in a while, and it's just going to be me, HP3, Heath Pierce, and Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies. We're going to be your host for the show. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk um, Christian Pulisic injury. We're going to talk about the fact that Joe Felix was put in the starting lineup right after that, after uh, going on loan to Chelsea. We've got a lot more to talk about. Updates on the U.S. men's national team player pool, as well as we're going to talk a little bit about this Wrexham stuff and why everyone's going crazy, how that compares to uh, Major League Soccer and what we can do to just sort of prop up that league to make it even bigger. So let's have some fun. Charlie, what's going on, man? Good to see you. Good to see you, man. I'm excited. Let's let's get into this talk. Uh, we got we have some hot topics as well as uh, we want to hear from y'all in in the the YouTube section comments. Like, let's get going. Let's what do you want to talk about? All right. So let's let's start off at the top, right? What what, what I think is the top anyway. Uh, Graham Potter comes out and says Christian is a couple months. We think hopefully less. Uh, I would. I was reading some stats uh, around Christian Pulisic that he's missed over 40 games due to injury. Mm-hmm. Now he's been there for a while, uh, and they play. You know, on average, you would think about that through the lens of like a normal league. You'd be like, oh yeah, that's a third of uh, the games every year. But they play like 60 games, 70 games a year sometimes. So it's it's all in 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 uh, in relative to the amount of games that they play that he's been out. But still, uh, for a player. And I and I and I say this uh, pretty regularly on the show. We talk about greatest players ever, and where does he fit? Not him, but where do people fit into the conversations of these things? And a lot of times, we give credit to players that had short careers or injury plagued or uh, lifestyle issues and all these types of things. Do you think that the injury concerns, not just for Christian Pulisic, but but our national team player pool, will have an impact on on them long term? Uh, because now with each following one, and we see this with Gio Reyna, people start to talk about it a little bit more or in a different light. I think each. It, I think it's player specific, case by case basis. Mm-hmm. In Christian Pulisic's case, we've been saying this from the beginning. We think he needs uh, a new, a new opportunity, a new environment. Yeah. This, I think, this replacement in, in Zhao Felix is was going to happen, but they probably rushed it once the um, once they knew that 
this is a player that could really change, give them another option. And then the injury, he's he's fit. He he played in the World Cup. This this is this is a young player. It didn't it wasn't gonna take him time to to get an opportunity. So I think it's unfortunate because either way, I mean, it's just a loan. He's gonna go back. Christian needs to go somewhere where he's going to get a fresh start. And Graham Potter coming out to say this is the hardest job in in world football. That to me, that I don't want to hear that from my my manager. Yeah. W- would you? It's use. You know. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh man, it's tough running up this hill, huh? I didn't think you know. Looks when you're uh, at the top of it, it doesn't look that steep. Now I'm running up it. It's pretty hard. Hey guys bear with me this is the hardest job so today <laughs> yeah. you're gonna sit the bench i i know i know you don't want to pl- i know you want to play but hey it's a hard job so this this is part of it so you sit the bench uh you're gonna play left back today but but coach i'm i'm a striker don't worry about it we'll have some fun it, it's it's an interesting conversation because yeah it is chelsea and anytime you're playing for uh, coaching or managing a club at that level, it's going to be difficult because you you throw in eagles, egos. You 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 coach Brighton and Hove. You're not dealing with the best players in the world. Yeah, you're not dealing with Champions League. But at Chelsea, those are the expectations, and those expectations is why you expire yeah. aspire to to, mm-hmm. to manage a club like that. So you're not, I, and you're not, you're not like 16 players. You're like 35 players that all have world class level or potential. Uh, so. Like, that's going to come with it. There, there's never going to be a week. If Christian Pulisic started for every single game, right, this entire season, mm-hmm. what do you think Mason Mount is saying to his agent or the media or to the coach or, you know, whoever he's starting over, right? Kai Havertz or, mm-hmm. or Werner when he was there. Those are all saying – they're all saying the same thing as we are saying about Christian Pulisic when he doesn't play, which is he should be playing. He's been good when he's had his chances. You know, injuries set him back a little bit. That's every he's, single player. He's got to go. Up. Yeah, and, and he's got to go. And find me a new club. Yeah. Exactly. Except and and someone's got to pay 60 million for him if you want him, you know, like all those things are, are, are part of the job. Do you think and the reason I agree with this is like, you know, there's uh, uh, some comments around uh, Pulisic to Newcastle. I'm not actually against no. that because um, uh, I think that's an all right. All right. Thought. Um, but for me, again, we're now we're talking about. It's, it's this never-ending cycle, it feels like, right? Which is Christian Pulisic finally gets his minutes and then he gets injured. Or Christian Pulisic finally gets his minutes and he's playing well and then a manager change. Or Christian Pulisic this and he's been screwed over by the manager. And all these things where it's just like all of that leads me to the point of saying he needs a different environment. Mm-hmm. He needs an opportunity, a fresh start. Where once you've got that many things, whether whether he notices them as distractions or not, it's really hard for you to ever assume that you know, Graham Potter's thinking like, well, I did hear that he's injury prone, you know, and I saw that he'd missed some games. So now is this a guy I can trust? No, if we're playing well, when he comes back from injury, I'm probably going to go with the guys that I have. You're always going to have a pipeline of players coming in every transfer window. And that's the best of the best. That is the reality of a Chelsea football club who started as a club that were overbuying players, have their Chelsea loan system, all these things. It's not like every club in the world is bringing in seven, eight new players uh, every offseason or 10 new players. Chelsea has done that since Abramovich took them over. And so that's just the way the club is where they take their chances on young players and they loan them out. They have players in their pipeline. They buy new players. They had bottomless uh, pit of money. So do you think that this changes any of the conversation about his future? Um, do you think it impacts his ability to get games when he comes back from injury? I, I do because you're out for an extended amount of time. Then you have to go into training. Then you have to get fit. And match mm-hmm. match uh, match fit, and but sharpness first. That takes time. Yeah. While all these other players are going to be in in a rhythm and and 
this is a Chelsea team that are struggling. They need results. They need points. They need to play guys who are fit, who are going to give them the best opportunity to play. And he's not going to be able to play 90 minutes. So at best case, he's a substitute. And you know how hard it is to break into a team like Chelsea, getting 15 minutes, 10 minutes here, five minutes here. I think it's, it's all about timing when it comes to injuries and moves and coaches. Again, in the summer, I think he does move. Yeah. And it's all about going to the right club. Does he have to stay in the English Premier League? I don't think so. If he can I'd go like to, to see him out of it. I think there's other clubs, other yeah. leagues where he is not a two-way player, really. He doesn't Give want him, to be a two-way player. Bring him in La Liga. He's yeah. got to go. La Liga, there's other I'd love places to see where they can play, play to him, uh, play a little more open. La Liga, most of the clubs play wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that stereotypically. You look at some of these games and like Barcelona's winning 4-3. You know, like they all play wide open. Um, and or a lot, number of them play wide open and put an emphasis on on attacking play and scoring goals. And so I think there, I think in the right system in Syria, I think there's a lot of places for him and his style of play that maybe don't fit either the pressures or the demands of the Premier League because of the physicality aspect, because of um, the fact that it's Chelsea. It's just, and then anything below those clubs, I think are he shouldn't go to because of that exact same thing. Like as level goes down, the fight goes up, and I don't think that's the right type of uh, environment for him. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm, you know who I'm going to try and get a, on our show? Mm. A former teammate of Christians at Chelsea who does no longer plays at Chelsea, okay. who has won a World Cup, and I think he could have some gr- good insight on on Christian and where he thinks he fits and his his potential. So yeah. I'll keep it at that. I'm going to say I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah, I, it's funny you you said that. I immediately thought of this time that I was sitting with Tim Howard. And this is a little bit anecdotal, nothing to do with it. But he was talking about, he was talking about, you know, a teammate of his who at the time was Cristiano Ronaldo. And that this guy was basically unbelievably skilled, but somewhat kind of like not trash, but like, like had no final product, right? Like he had nothing. And this is a a teenage one. And when you think about that, and I I say this in the the context of like one man's trash is another man's treasure type of thing where. Mm Christian Pulisic is still bordering on world-class capability and potential in terms of where his age is at. He still has a lot of upside. Yes, there's some injury concerns there. And and if you go back to his time at, at Dortmund when he was like insanely dominant uh, for long periods of time, I think about that because, again, Ronaldo, he wasn't saying anything. Tim Howard wasn't saying anything bad about him, but he was talking about like, this was Ronaldo. This was uh, Manchester United Ronaldo early, where it was like 19 stepovers, take you to the sideline to try to make you like all those. That, things that that's insane. my fa- that's my favorite Ronaldo, to be honest. Yeah, but he said he'd get down to the end line and then like put in the ball that couldn't get past the first man, you know. And like this is not, uh, not 2008 though. I can tell you that. No, of course not. But like, <laughs> yeah, of course not. But like, you know, and this is coming through the lens of a player who himself didn't live up to the potential and and then found his feet at Everton to become one of the mm-hmm. best goalkeepers in in the Premier League. And so I think about that a lot. Uh, anytime I hear about people's comparisons or people's experiences of a player during a time period and and what that means for them uh, over over uh, a career or what he has left. And obviously, Cristiano is an extreme example. But the fact that that was being said for a player that the whole world was talking about, this crazy guy doing all these stepovers, doing all these things, and you think about what he was as a player now, what he went on to do. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I just, that, that just randomly came to mind. But um, again, uh, though, yeah. but it, it's the glimpses when you mm-hmm. see a player have a certain burst of pace uh, shows, shows the speed shows the, the imagination, the, the ability to try things and have that confidence about them. And maybe the end product's not there, but you see 
man, if he put one or two things mm-hmm. together, I just remember myself early, my first year as a professional, I was making all these runs and getting in behind and my shots were hitting the, the, the grandstand. My, <laughs> I was taking chunks out of the grass and I'm like, I'm cursed. That was yeah. the feeling. I'm like, I'm cursed, but yeah. it just takes time. Everyone, you know, matures at a certain, certain time. You know, it's a, I, f- I feel like there are players that are like wines in, yeah. in, 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 as an example. So, it'll, and it'll, some environments, like again, this is where I, I really buy into like the mental side of the game is like some environments just become blockages for you, right? Mm-hmm. That injuries can come from all kinds of things, whether it's just physical, they can come from the emotional stress of, of, of how that weighs on your body. There's all these kinds of things, him going into the locker room, having to deal with this. Like, I remember my worst of times at clubs, I couldn't think of a worse place to be than in the locker room, right? With a change of a, when a coach and you're on a bad run of form, the press mm-hmm. is killing you, you know, the media is waiting outside for you to go outside every day. You got to face all that type of stuff. I think about that through the lens of year after year after year and then multiply that by 100, which is the spotlight that he's under. You just wonder if like maybe it's weather. Maybe it's the lifestyle. Maybe it's all of the above. Maybe it's just the fact that like he, he's he got this, you know, I, I think about when I was in the Bundesliga and the club was like, hey, we're done with you. You got to find a new club. For the next like six weeks, I played and they went public with it. The next six weeks, I played out of my mind so good that they were like, hey, you can come back. We're going to, you want to play? We're going to play now because I was free. I didn't have this like expectation placed around me. I wasn't playing away because somebody told me to do it. Like I was just being me. And, and that changed things for me. And I just wonder, can we get that old Christian Pulisic back? Cause we've seen what he's capable of, but can we get it back in a way that's like, okay, it's always been about potential with him. Can he do that for an entire season? Can he do that for 34 games or 38 games and something like that? And I think that's going to require, at least being willing to go and try that, right? Mm-hmm. It, the trust, the mm-hmm. confidence, the trust. You you feel from Christian watching him that he's always thinking about what do I have to do to impress the manager? How do I how do I stay on the pitch? How do I how do I become a regular in the starting eleven? When you make a mistake, you look over at the bench. You know, you look at your teammates. How, how what are their reactions? When you can just play and you know you're gonna play regardless of mistakes you make and you have to have that confidence obviously and you have to deliver but you don't have that pressure of performing at a 10 every single second you're on the pitch mm-hmm. i think that's when you unlock that because now all of a sudden you're not caring about oh the manager told me i have to do this every every time or a player you're just playing and it's a lot of instinct that goes into that that's when he's going to be at his best and like you said a change of scenery i think will do that for him okay yeah, I mean, again, I, I that's why I welcome. I feel like the hard part for a lot of players, right, is the reason Bournemouth is in for for Chris uh, for for Weston McKinney. Bournemouth can pay his wage. Mm-hmm. It's in, it's insanity, but they can pay his wage and and they can do it with with ease, right? And and they maybe even up his wage. And the man's on like you know five six million whatever he's making per year. Like that's that's the problem when you get into the Premier League is when you leave. And maybe it'll be different for Pulisic because somebody can take a chance on him and he is sort of like a bona fide attacking player that can deliver results. Mm-hmm. But that's the hard part is like, how do you then go to the next place and and with the with knowing that it might require, uh, you might have a pay cut. You might have to come down on the wages. And that's a really hard thing to do. And you and I both experienced what these differences are in the short window of time you have to capitalize on on your talents. And and that could have an effect as well on, on where he goes, especially because the fact that someone's going to have to pay for him as well. I love the question from from Killer Queen in the comment section. What's the best Premier League team that 
that Christian would start on. And if you're looking at what Christian Pulisic can do in, in, in a game, open transition, getting on the ball, not having to fight and not having to, to defend for, for uh, survival in, in, in the English Premier League, there's two teams that stand out to me. One is Brighton. I think you're taking the pressure off of, of Christian because of the club name. Yeah. I, I know it's not the most attractive name, but they play a good brand. They they try to to uh, keep the ball. They're, they're not, I think, a team that relies on long balls. And I think in that situation, he could, he could thrive. Uh, playing under Unai Emery at Aston Villa could be another spot that he could shine. Um, you know, because I'm trying to take away the big name clubs. Yeah. Like, forget forget that. We're looking yeah. at a club situation where a coach, Unai Emery, is going to be given a, a good amount of time. If he brings him in, that means he believes in him and he sees him in the project. So he's going to be given enough time to shine. Uh, even Crystal Palace, that could be a great, great place uh, with Patrick Vieira. So I'm thinking managers and style of play, not so much the team or not so much playing in Champions League, but if you're playing consistently in the English Premier League and it gives you that time to really grow and fulfill that potential, then your next move can be to a United, to a City, to a Liverpool where you're playing Champions League and you don't have to worry about being that that rotational player. You're brought in to play every single game. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. I, and I like those options. I actually like Newcastle as well in the way that they're playing now. When I think about when Miggy got to 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 Newcastle, Miguel Almiron, uh, and he struggled for a bit. He was still getting minutes as an out-and-out winger where he was just bombing at people, right? He just didn't, again, have that final product. Newcastle in general didn't have that final product. We're actually seeing uh, this year all of that coming to life. But I think Christian Pulisic was was far beyond where where Miguel Amarone was when he got to the Premier League in terms of his readiness to know exactly what type of opponent, how you're going to play, how clinical you have to be. And again, I go back to that podcast where uh, Tim Ream's podcast that that Christian was on, which was, he talked about like the next step for him is being clinical, right? Being able to finish, being able to be higher percentage in those chances because he gets into them and you don't get into them just because you have good players around you. You also have to create them. You also have to have, you know, good first touch. You also have the instinct. You have all those things that are getting him into these positions to be uh, dominant. He just needs to be more, more clinical. And in a place like that, he needs to be where he can create some opportunities. It's not going to all just come on to him. Like you said, not have huge defensive responsibilities. And so, you know, hopefully he comes back. I mean, two months, that puts us into mid-March uh, at the earliest. And people with with injury concerns or repetitions, generally you probably take a little bit longer than that just because of protection from themselves um, and, and and previous injuries. But hopefully, you know, speaking about pre- Premier League teams, though, let's shift the topic a little bit to, to Haji Wright. You know, he's now being linked to, mm-hmm. to uh, Crystal Palace was the first name that I saw. Brentford also uh potentially coming in for him he's the second highest scorer in in the turkish league and you and i know charlie you went through this uh when you moved from sweden to france right um you were at uh, hammerby in sweden right mm-hmm. and then you moved to Sochaux. Mm-hmm. what where were you at on the scoring charts when you left sweden I guess it was in the end, end of a season wasn't it, it was uh, yeah, I, I, so no no you're mid-season so, in sweden that yeah time. so yeah uh, the when i finished the previous season I think I was fourth in the scoring okay. chart, third or fourth in the league. Um, I had 17 goals in all competitions. And um, how old were you at that point? 22, yeah. 22. So Daryl um, DK's age, Haji Wright's a couple years older than that, 24. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, like, I guess what I'm getting at is the Turkish league, 
people can say wherever it fits into the into the equation of of positions in the Champions League and all that. But d- being the top second top scorer in any league in Europe, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of people looking at you. Even if you were, take American out of it, you're a second top scorer in any league in Europe. You've got clubs looking at you, right? One hundred percent. Especially like it's legitimate interest, not like us creating the hype around an American player. No, it, one your scoring record. He has a great scoring record in Turkey. Two, he's part of a World Cup roster. When just being associated to the World Cup, knowing that you are on a roster and you played, that brings your value up, and people know you have a certain quality. So I think when you you combine those two in his age and his upside, and he's athletic, he's strong. Why wouldn't you take a, a chance on him? This is a player that you think you can you can develop and potentially keep him and have him score a lot of goals, or or move him on in three four years if if he develops. So if I'm him and I'm going through this process uh, just just the way I remember it. I looked at the clubs I, were, I was going to and who I was competing with. If they had a striker in place that's playing, scoring goals, and I'm not, and you know you're not going to be playing over him, is that a place you want to go? No. I love competition, but you know coming in off the bat, you are second, you are second string, you are the replacement. And if he goes to Brentford, he is not playing over Tony. Tony is a 26-year-old striker who's scoring goals for fun, right? So that that's not a long-term play, not a, a move. Now, Crystal Palace, on the other hand, doesn't have a legitimate striker who's who's guaranteed the rest of the matches this season. So to play there and play and, along and Tony, Zaha, by the way, yeah. And Tony, by the way, was was like controversially left off of the world cup roster, like, mm-hmm. it, or at least in, in a lot of people's eyes, like deserve to be there. So you're, you're, you're right in that sense that like, but again, like they're going to, he's going to get, he's going to pay him whatever, 8 million, 10 million for him. And, and he's going to get the bag. And that's hard again to turn down. I just hope that right. he's in, he's in a place and he's got the physical profile, right? When we talked about Brendan Aronson, mm-hmm. Tyler Adams, mm-hmm. um, uh, who, who else? Josh Sargent. It's do they have the do they have the physical DNA or makeup to be able to compete physically in the Premier League, right? And that was the concern with could Tyler Adams do it, right? Because he's not the biggest body you see in the space, and he's been just fine. Uh, Brendan Aronson goes in and he's struggling on some physical aspects, but is also willing to like physically compete. But when you mm-hmm. think about Haji Wright, you're not thinking like can does he have the physical abilities to step into the Premier League and deal with you know six foot four six foot five center backs that are that are going to be up his ass the entire game <laughs> yeah and and uh cool tromboner i see that you had uh tony is also under investigation um with with the fa that that is correct but That's there's true. nothing nothing has been his he might, be, he might be betting on haji Wright to come but nothing is set in stone so unless uh the manager said, "Hey, we're going to play with two strikers, and and I envision you playing alongside Tony." Then, no, I, I'm not going there if I'm Haji Wright. Especially if you if if you can go to another uh, another club within the Premier League. Now, if Brentford's the only option, then I'm going to Brentford. But I'm assuming that he's going to have Crystal Palace. He's going to have Leicester City potentially. He's going to have uh, Brentford a number of clubs, not just Brentford. So um, maybe it's it's one of those moments where one bid comes in and the ne- next thing you know, you have five or six bids that come in. So 
either way, I'm I'm happy for Haji Wright. I, I yeah. want to see him continue to develop because uh, it just feels like maybe this World Cup came a little too soon for him in, in yeah. his development. I don't think he had enough time necessarily to, to, to get locked in with the rest of the group. So hopefully this is what propels him to, to the next level. Like Haji Wright evolves into, into the, the next form of, of a striker that we need on the U S national team to have success. Yeah. And, and look, we, we right now we're, we're stuck in this phase mm -hmm. in the U S men's national team where we just want everybody to be a world-class player. And, That's all. <laughs> yeah. We just want everybody. We want literally everybody to be a world-class player. And if they're not, we're like, nah, dude, nah, not for this national team. You know, like, yo, you look at a lot of national teams and I promise you, you think, you know, all the players in their starting lineup and you don't, I promise you. And they're playing at smaller clubs or they're not going to be world-class players. They're going to be solid career players. We're going to always have that in our national team. We're, always, we're not going to always have now. I mean, hopefully someday we have 11, 15, 20 stars, but you know, who knows? If you had to do a depth chart right now for forwards on the U.S. men's national team to start in 2026. Oh, hold on. He he's got a break. He said bathroom. Hold on. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this question to everybody in the YouTube comment section. We have a depth chart for strikers currently, right now, for the 2026 starting position as a nine and we're playing with one nine mm -hmm. not two strikers not three one nine what's that depth chart look like and, and i'm assuming haji wright's on there daryl dk's on there josh sargent's on there and ricardo pepe is p folk still on there do, do we still think people are talking about jory p folk at that time mm. no i don't think so no so I mean, i'm interested what that what is that is do, does our guy Tim Weah finally get get a shot at the nine? I see that. Ren, hey, re respect. We, I've been dying to see that. The, He's the another player. Ready. But the problem is, is like it, it also depends on – I'd like to see players that play in their positions in their positions, right? I, I don't mind. I didn't mind that for the World Cup because I, I wasn't confident in anybody, and I'm hoping that Tim Weah is competing in the spot that he spends all of his club time, right? We're seeing him being linked to a couple of Premier League clubs, some Spanish mm -hmm. clubs. And things like that. What about Josh Sargent, right? Finally, we uh, we we plant our mole with uh, David Wagner in at Norwich, who's like, yeah, I know him from the Bundesliga. All right, so eliminating this uh, bias. Like, yeah, I knew him from back in the day in Germany. Uh, mm -hmm. And that he's a striker. He's wasting his time out there on the wing, which I, which I love. Do you think it's going to have, you know, like we've talked about a lot, a manager can make or break a career, you know, and mm -hmm. and and do you think this could be a big a big lift for him and in, in terms of his not just scoring goals, right? I'm just development in general. Massive. If if I'm in that locker room, if I'm if I'm Josh Sargent, we got a new manager, and you're probably wondering who that new manager is going to be. And the manager comes in and he goes to the press, not only to you, but to the press, making making it known. Josh Sargent, yeah, I know. Yeah, he 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 did well in the World Cup, especially against Iran. He balled. I want him as our number nine. He is a center central striker. Get that get that man on the field. He's gonna be scoring goals for us. I'm hyped because you're gonna get an opportunity to play the position that best suits you for your development for to reach your potential. And the way Josh Sargent played against Iran. He showed me he can be that dude. He can be that guy for us. Yeah. So I'm I'm bummed for him because I remember the first game of World Cup qualifying. 
I thought, wow, that was his, his best game that I've seen him play on the, the senior team level, but it still wasn't, it wasn't obviously what we needed, but it was the best game for him. So it was a step in the right direction, but everyone, Josh Sargent, get him out of here, blah, blah, blah. And it, it took him a lot of time because we're seeing now with Bernard Aronson, it sets you back when you don't do well. When people mm -hmm. slam you down with your performances, you don't get an opportunity. It takes a lot out of you. He had to build himself up. Man, this man's been through some ups and downs so far in his young career, being, yeah. being the guy for the U U.S. youth national teams, competing like a man, beasting beasting kids, to all of a sudden getting that team uh, start in the Bundesliga. Then the battle for relegation and promotion. So I, I think through all of that, it's helped him develop. He's now become a family man. You could you could just tell something changes within you. And my man was balling in, 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 in the World Cup in that last game before his injury. And I'm always wondering what what could have been if he started against Holland, you know? Yeah. Well, by the way, he's he's uh he's he was starting in the Bundesliga at 18 years old, you know. Like mm -hmm. it's a big, a big step at a at a club that again they've they sort of shambles while he was there. Um but generally, like when I was there, you heard about Werder Bremen in a way that like this is a Champions League club. This is a 60 to 70 point a year team. Um, it's a big club, right? This is, well, it, you know, when I was there, uh, Ozil was at, at Bremen at the time. Like it's a massive club and a lot of, a lot of pressure. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I just read uh, in here oh, on, on Team Oweya. I think people are, are saying like him sitting on the benches is, is not helping his development. And I fully agree. But the upside is the man performed in a World Cup. And that's where we're going to see sort of the springboard of his valuation of a club being willing to take a risk on him saying, yeah, but what do I want with the guy sitting on the bench? Normally, that means you go backwards, right? You go backwards. But because I think he had a good World Cup, because I think he's shown some performances at the international level, you can equally measure and say, oh, he's just in the wrong environment. We can take a chance on, 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 on him somewhere else. And I think we would be in a very different position if this was like a Brendan Aronson not playing and then ha you know doesn't get the chances in the World Cup. That's very different than Timo Weah uh, now being on the bench, but after a good World Cup, he should have his options to make a move at some point. If not now, then at least in the summertime, someone's going to come in for him, right? Yes, uh, I think for sure he's going to have uh, plenty of suitors. And for Marco Van B, impossible for a nine to play good in every game. I was a nine. I know it's impossible. It is impossible to score every game. It is not impossible to have an impact in every game. And that is, and those are two very different things. So as a nine, you're going to have off days in front of goal. You're going to have off days maybe with your touch, but how else can you impact the game? I think with Josh Sargent, we saw in that world cup game against Iran, he didn't score, but his holdup play was phenomenal. His runs, the timing of his runs, you can open up space for other teammates. You can win fouls. You can you can be good on the defensive side of the ball with the press, counter press, setting up the, the structure uh, of your team, just being a leader from the front, getting in, in the opponent's minds and stretching the back line. Whatever it is, you can play a big role in your team's performance. So, yeah. yes, I agree. Good, I guess, in that case could could it's hard to define, but Marco, great um, comment because these these are the things we like to talk about. Also, spicy pineapple. Uh, I love your comments. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, get, get your boy Heath Balogun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying, man. If I just say it on every show, I hope that it comes to life. But uh, this is why I like 
Ricardo Pepe always as well. I still think he's a, mm-hmm. a fantastic finisher of the ball and good in the box. But what I like about any one of our strikers that's had a good game is the sort of rhythm that they keep when the ball gets to them to get the ball back to the players around them, right? Which is like ball comes in. You don't see this like a lot of times when our strikers aren't having good games or they're not well connected to the game. They're like stumbling to get control of the ball, like scrapping, fighting to get the ball down on the ground. Whereas when I've seen Ricardo Pepe or, or Josh Sargent play well, it's first touchdown, second touch out from their feet, third touch layoff, or some in some sort of range of keeping the momentum and the speed of the game going forward which I think creates a huge advantage to us. Whereas when a lot of our guys are just fighting to fighting with the fighting with the ball to just get control of it, uh, it, it, it kills me just from an aesthetic standpoint. But look, Charlie, we're going to take our first and only break of the show. When we return, we're going to talk about Wrexham. We're going to talk about uh, Matt Turner and his clean sheets and, and his hey. performances. So don't go anywhere. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, don't miss out on any of the Serie A action. Follow some of the biggest stars in the sport like Olivier Giroud, Rafael Leao, Lautaro Martinez as they try to lead their teams to the Scudetto. How will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find all the answers and stream every single match from Italy's top soccer league live on Paramount Plus, only on Paramount Plus. So you can try one month free with the promo code Serie Ah, that's one month free with the promo code Siri. Ah, you guys know how to spell it. If you're new to the game, then I'll hit me up on the side. I'll tell you how to spell that Siri uh, uh, out. But otherwise, you know how to spell that. Charlie, oh. coming back to you now. What, what, and, and by the way, keep those comments coming in. We appreciate them. Yeah. And we'll make keep, sure that we integrate those. One. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I knew when you said, oh, yeah, uh, it may, may have been a comment. So I, I, before we go to the next I got it. I got This is one of those things that triggered me. So yep. S27. Uh, I, I love that you're always here because I, I see you commenting um, during our, our chats. But he, he's talking about Timothy Weah not being the nine for us because he he didn't show it as an under-20 in the youth national team levels. Hmm. I didn't have that at the under-20 levels. There, there are players who don't develop the hold-up play the proper way to hold up 
the ball to incorporate attacking midfielders and wingers and and figuring that out and using your body and the balance and the strength that it takes it takes time to develop that Mm -hmm. especially if you're not getting the opportunity consistently and he hadn't really played there with his club it takes time maybe it takes two years or three years especially at the youth level you can't say that a player can't be a nine because they weren't good there at the youth level some things change so for timothy weah what's important for him that we've seen at the world cup and and in france as well is the runs the finishing the timing his ability to use his body he's also shown he can defend now throw that up top as a nine when you're starting the press he shows he already he knows how to defend as a right back as a right wing back he's done that now you're you're using that experience as a nine to start the press i love that you're going to win the ball back you're going to start some counterattacks you're going to create some chances defensively so we can move that aside now as an attacking player spinning into space creating for uh space for your other teammates the runs with balls and behind through balls stretching the back line can do that and he's already shown to me that he can hold up the ball. We've seen it in World Cup qualifying. As as a now as he's coming into his body as a full grown man, he has the ability to do that. And what separates a lot of players in that position is speed. If you have that, if you can dribble with the ball at your feet, because we we've also seen that Heath, right? Mm-hmm. He can't dribble for nothing. So if you have a player with pace and he can dribble and create for himself in some occasions, that's what checks the box for me. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think, again, I, I think about this and 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 I always try to put into context why or how that works from a development standpoint. People think that like, like uh, team away is like oh, I got to add hold up play to my game if I want to be a striker. So I need to play that in training where I just get kicked over and over again. Yeah, that maybe that's part of it. That's some of the training that might happen, but it's also just like I equate this to to, to learning a language, right? Charlie and anybody in the in the chat that's learned another language or tried to learn another language, you spend months without any idea that you're actually learning, but you're trying, right? You're piecing these things together, and it's like something over here. You learn a small phrase, you learn a word, you learn some vocabulary, you learn, a, 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 you know, a, somebody teaches you a bad word or a bad phrase, and all these things, and you're like, dude, this is never gonna all come together, right? And then eventually, one day, it just clicks. All these things, and it's not this process of like you start here and you have this goal and you, you get there. It's like it, it happens in a, in a, in a different type of way. And I think strikers or any position development, when we look at Christian Pulisic, it's not about Christian Pulisic sitting out on, on the pitch being like, I got to shoot more in training. That could be a part of it, but it's also the mental side of the game. It's also adding other pieces. It's also figuring out how he's best to finish or how he's best to set himself up. And all those little tiny details. It's, it's so many things that it's not just about like, I need more repetitions uh, with this type of thing that I think Christian Pulisic ultimately, not Christian Pulisic, but, but Timo Weah could be a version of a nine. Do I think he'd be good with another striker up there? Yeah, I think he'd be better with a, with a second striker up there with him. When I look back at the World Cup and, and see what our options were, would I have loved to have seen him up top? I would have loved to have seen that because you don't just then stop. If he, if he had the responsibility, the first thing that a coaching staff is saying is like, hey, be smart with your holdup play, you know, like you're going to have to scrap. You're going to have to fight. You can add those pieces in the short term to develop them. But yeah, just because he's not a complete striker, you know, very few are complete strikers until they're complete strikers, right? Mm-hmm. Facts. Lay it on them. Yeah. So, hey, appreciate those those comments. Keep them coming um, or questions. But yeah, it's one of those things where 
if we played with two strikers, there are a lot of players who I think would pair well with each other, but we didn't see that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think whoever is the next manager should try tinker with different formations to get a sense of where who who could play together. What what are those partnerships and how well do we play with maybe a, a number 10 underneath? Is that Christian Pulisic? Is it he take that reign? Does Gio Reyna come back into the team? Because obviously there's going to be a conversation with whoever is the manager in Gio Reyna. And yeah. I know that if you go through something as 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 difficult as Gio did in a World Cup and then having this whole thing blow up about his parents and, and playing time and you, you're kind of the center of attention in a negative way, you're forced to change. You are forced to change or you are left behind. And I think he's going to be better for it. I think he's going to be a, a player who really looks at his body language and 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 looks to treat people with respect and dignity and and it almost over overtly has to do it just because of of what was um said in the past and done in the past but i think he's going to be he's going to be successful i really do because he's that talented so you ju- you just hope for the best and he's so promising that i think this is a player who could really flourish in in a central role for the u.s men's national team in an attacking central role yeah i agree uh, let, let's move on to uh, this this Wrexham chat, right? I'm going to read a little tweet that came out, and there's a few different tweets that came out uh, during this this period of just lighting a little bit of a fire and creating unnecessary or unfair comparisons between leagues and and the importance or the willingness to support. And so this is uh, from HDV Triggered, uh, and it says, Hot take, Wrexham's popularity in the U.S. is cool, but it's also kind of annoying. People refuse to watch Major League Soccer because of quality, but will happily support a club in a fifth tier of English soccer. Sorry, but you're not going to argue that the National League is better than the Major League Soccer, the MLS. Also uh, a sin to say the MLS. But um, what's your what's your take on this, Charlie? Because I, I do think there's some merit around these types of conversations. I think we've always gotten in ourselves in trouble because – you know, we even now people ask me like, well, well, how does the MLS, you know, when I was playing compared to the Bundesliga versus second Bundesliga, how does it compare to Premier League versus championship and all these other leagues? Like is 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 the Premier or is um, Major League Soccer better than the Belgian League? Is it better than than Portugal? Is it better than Scandinavia? I mean, and then there's all these give and takes that that you compare it. But this one's a little bit different because it's it's more of like a human interest type of thing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. People people are backing this because of the storylines. They're backing it because there's famous people behind it. Do you think there's ways in which uh, the league can uh, advance because of this? Or do you think this is one of these sort of zeitgeisty type things where um, even though it's not really zeitgeisty because it's got a ton of marketing behind it and it's got a, some big names behind it. I mean, what's your take on just that world? Because again, you took you look about Netflix's uh, uh, Drive to Survive with F1 that got everybody into it because of the storytelling, right? Like, I still don't watch F1 on the weekends, but I watch that series when it comes out. I'll I'll pay attention to that because it's easy viewing. It's got you know, it's got good good humor. It's got some drama. It's got all those things. But I'm still, which I guess makes me a sport of, a fan of F1, but I'm still not getting more into it. And I know mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a, a tangential, but like, just want to get your take on that tweet and sort of mm-hmm. what you're thinking about. Well, just in talking to to people in in passing, Ted Lasso and and shows like Wrexham are bringing more interest to the sport of soccer. Mm-hmm. 
people didn't know anything about soccer. And just now people have an idea of how the sport works, who's in charge, the different characteristics of, of players and positions and, and signings. That's only good for the popularity of our sport in this country. The more people are aware of soccer and talking about soccer, because that was not existent when I was growing up, not no one talked about soccer. No one played soccer in my neighborhood. I was like an outcast. So I had to play all the other sports to, and, and be good at those sports. So that people are like, oh, okay, okay, you can play soccer. It's cool. Um, as long as long as you as you 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 can, you know, score six touchdowns in a game. Um, so for me, I love that there's more coverage and shows and movies about the sport because that's only gonna I think draw people more people into um major league soccer. So right. I'm I'm all for it. So hey, keep it going. I, I'm I, I watch the shows. I mean Ted Lasso, I, I'm hooked. I haven't watched Wrexham yet, um, but everyone yeah. says it's great. Yeah. And and look, there's there's you know all these proposed changes coming to Major League Soccer with playoffs and trying to create more. I mean, I do, I am a believer in opening up these salary caps at a certain point in the near future to allow a Miami or or a, or a New York or an LA or a Chicago or a Kansas City spend as much as they want if they want to create a product. I think that'll drive more national attention to having like you know, I watch Man City every week. I'm not a fan of Man City, but I watch them because, man, that's entertaining and it's nice. <laughs> and they got enough storylines. And when they lose, the world's on fire. And when they win, it's pretty entertaining. And I'm an Arsenal mm -hmm. fan. You know, I'll watch Arsenal because I like Arsenal. But there's at least these connections that allow me to say, like, I'm going to watch it to see either it's going to be a train wreck or it's going to be something else. And and I'm I'm all for the growth of that within the league. I'm all for some of these new things that came out around the deals that teams got to you know, individual teams are going to have to create a lot more storytelling. So Pablo Maurer, the Maurerist, if, if you don't follow him, is a writer for The Athletic and released this uh, these documents that came out uh, recently around what the new contracts are for each of the teams and, mm -hmm. and what that means. That's another opportunity to, to, uh, to uh, essentially, teams are going to have to create formats around their players, uh, profiles around the players, around the club, around the fans, and create a lot more generated content. Now it's a huge stressor to put on the teams at this point, And they're going to have to like kind of step their, their game up. But I, I do think those are all little things that will help to drive more interest. I call it, you know, I don't call it, but many people call it the Olympics treatment, which is like, okay, if you don't like the quality of, of major league soccer, or if you don't like the camera angles, or if you don't like whatever your reason is, you want to have more reasons to get in. Right. And for the sport in general, like you said, Wrexham brings more people in Ted Lasso brings more people in anything that's bringing more FIFA, brought more people into or uh, not FIFA, but um, EA sports FIFA yes. brought more people into the sport to like, like the game. All those are entry points into the sport. And then you can sort of guide people on their journey. And that's the responsibility of us as fans, as friends of family, whatever, to continue to guide people to become bigger fans of the sport. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm just thinking about all these little things that are going to help to drive a better product ultimately in the wrong, long run. And it's not just on major league soccer. USL has got to do it. And everyone's got to do it. USL is trying to create their own Wrexhams, right? At the lowest divisions that are community built, that aren't about the finances, that aren't about the big stars, but they're about, you know, Forward Madison having a cow as a mascot and funny, you know, their own unique beers. And they sell hundreds of thousands of dollars of hey, merchandise. Because Vermont Green. Yeah, Vermont Green. Being hey, a sustainable Adam, or a carbon neutral club. Yeah, Adam Pfeiffer, who is the the, the manager there, the top No, manager. you're not. Hey, listen, Charlie, before you get to that, you're not allowed to say his name. And here's where, here's where I'll tell you why.
Okay. okay. You're not allowed to say his name to me. And, and Adam knows this because back in 2002, 2003, uh-huh. I was playing in the semifinals of the PDL, oh, uh, boy. whatever. And Cape Cod Crusaders, yep. got, we scored on them. It hit the back of the inside of the post and shot back out. We were all running to the corner doing the airplane celebrating. They were running down the other end of the field. They knew it was a goal. They knew that it should have counted, and they didn't give it to us. They ended up beating us and going on to the final. I don't know if they won the final. They played against the whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Boulder but, Rapids. Why is it that? Adam, is it the referee? It's the, the referees. But they knew. The they knew. They knew there was a goal. I'd be Adam, doing the same Adam thing. knows it was a goal. You'd be doing the same thing, and, too. And, so and, I don't and, want to hear that. And Adam's got Adam's to live up to that. I'll let you get. I'll let you speak of Adam. That's the last time I'm going to mention his name because right. we're going to send this to him so he knows. Just, just shout out. He he watches. He loves yeah. in soccer we trust. So big shout out to Adam Pfeiffer, Boston College. Holla at your boy, uh, BC Eagles. But he's leading, he's Cheater. leading the USL up there in Vermont. So yeah, he's that's awesome. Spreading spreading the game, spreading the love. So shout yeah. out to Vermont Green. And again, like that's a different type of model, right? Sustainability. Mm-hmm. But it's you're seeing these community-driven, impact-driven. MLS clubs have massive communities within all of them. And all of that needs to lead to, to growing the sport. And so I'm all for it if it's done in the right way. Um, and yeah, I I, uh, I can't uh, think of anything else to say about that, Charlie. So maybe we move on to... To uh, unless you wanted to, unless you wanted to match, mention or talk about Matt Turner and his four clean sheets and five Arsenal appearances, that sort of makes sense in its in its in its in itself. And I know that you rep him hard, and he's still your <laughs> out and out number number one. But otherwise, we can move on to some uh, f- some final thoughts. Unless anybody in the comments uh, had any more zingers, I think we should move on to final thoughts. No, um, shout out to Matt Turner. He's just he's doing it. He's a, he's a he's a father, family man. He's and he. All you can do is control what you can control. And I know that's very tough as players because we think about everything. We're thinking about coaches. We're thinking about agents. We're thinking about sporting directors. We're thinking about contracts. Uh, we're, all, we're always comparing ourselves to other players in our position on every team. There's a lot that goes into it. But um, for a player who who hasn't shown frustration, who, who just goes out and enjoys life and enjoys the game, uh, shout out to Matt Turner. Um, yeah. For, for continuing to to deliver when his name's called upon. But let's hear your final thoughts. And shout out to everybody who, who's on the live show today. Yeah, shout out to everybody. And if you're listening to this on demand, we appreciate you as well. So make sure you leave that five-star review. We'll appreciate you even more. Or even <laughs> four stars. Stars, four stars. Four stars would be good too, man. <laughs> hey, you know, it's yeah. it. With this economy into the 22, like, oh, I'll take four stars, four and a half stars. Yeah. Leave a comment uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. But, you know, my final thoughts are that is, you know, again, I appreciate everybody tuning in. And uh, and and being a part of this show, you guys are continuing to help us grow this community, and community is what matters. You know, you're doing your part to to grow the sport here in North America or wherever you are as well. So that is it from us on In Soccer We Trust, and of course on behalf of myself, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, our producer Alex, and all of you at home or at the office or wherever you're spending your trash can. We send our best. I mean, shout out to trash can who couldn't join (laughs) us today because he's flying on an airplane, not private like Charlie, but an airplane. Nonetheless, you know, they have similar things like seats and bathrooms and all that sort of stuff. It's not in the way that Charlie gets to travel, but until uh, Monday, when we come back to you, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you guys soon. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.